Welcome to the 10th Year Seniors Podcast Network. You are listening to Off the Turnbuckle. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Gents, WrestleMania is in the history books and... Obviously, we have to start with it was the most stupendous two nights of, what do we call it? Is it pro wrestling or sports entertainment? I always forget which side of the coin WWE falls on. They, they, they sports entertainment. Is, is definitely sports entertainment. It is sports right. entertainment, but so, they don't care as much as, so, as, as they used to. The, um, the, most, the, no, the most stupendous two nights of stupendous. sports entertainment in history featuring the biggest match in WrestleMania history. Boy, they could lie. So on and so forth. So, less. So, I think I, the, we, we discussed this before we hopped on the pod. I think the way we're going to do this is basically kind of the good, bad, and ugly. Um, and this just going to be more free-flowing than usual because I don't have any notes. Um, so, we just, we just start with the, well, I guess the good or great. So, I guess what I'm going to do is just kind of round robin around everybody. What was your biggest highlight? What was, what was your greatest... Um, the, your, your best match, your favorite moment, whatever, you, however you want to spin it. But what was your your favorite part of WrestleMania weekend? Javon, we can start with you. Um, for me, match had to been Cody and Zach, like I like I assumed for myself. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoy those two wrestling. Third moment had to have been <laughs> the whole segment after Pat McAfee's and Austin Theory's uh, match that. Uh-huh. Watching Theory take the stunner and watching Pat sell the stunner as well, like that mm-hmm. for me was the highlight of them getting Stone Cold. Uh, what, what was the What was the other one you asked? Um, no, that, that was basically it. Your favorite match and your favorite moment. So yeah, no, that, that definitely those two. The those two. the Seth Rollins um, Cody Rhodes match. Obviously, we had um, yeah. because we are jaded wrestling fans. Um, and because the news came out right before WrestleMania weekend that Shane was going to be in town for media, uh-huh. you know, we, we had the, the, the fear that here comes the money was going to hit, um, Ooh, when, when Seth was in the ring waiting for his opponent. Um, and I think they, they played that up really well, just the entire intro into that. I think they played it up really well in terms of, you know, kind of, they do this, you know, fairly well at times they let the moment linger. You know, you let the kind of the crowd anticipation build, you know, people at home, everybody just kind of waiting. And, you know, Seth is like, bring them out. Come on, I'm ready. Don't make me wait the whole night. Really, really um, playing into it. Um, And then obviously the lights go dark and his um, Cody's music starts to play and the crowd just flipping erupts. Um, And I think short of Stone Cold, he had the biggest pop on the weekend. So Stone Cold obviously was number one. But Cody, as an individual wrestler, had the biggest um, crowd reaction of the entire weekend. And obviously, they had a great match. Um, I, Can I, I just say that just, ending? It was just um, top-notch wrestling. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. From him going into the um, from the crossroads into the bio, bionic elbow. Yes. I mean, I, that was perfect. I mean, this play on the bionic elbow was something was 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 was, was really good to see. Yeah. Yes. Because it was almost like yeah. he... He sensed the whole crowd would have been in a space where they knew what it was right away, mm-hmm. and they could understand why he would pull that kind of move. 
to move mm-hmm. away from his standard finisher to give that credit to his dad, mm-hmm. who's been the whole driving force behind him coming back to WWE. Yeah. I thought that was a perfect setup in that moment. I think, I think that's the thing for me with it's the match that had the least amount of definitive build between the two men wrestling the match. Because obviously mm-hmm. Cody was not around for the lead up to WrestleMania. But given the circumstances, given that there was no actual build between the two in that time frame, I think they had the best match of the weekend from a storytelling standpoint for someone who had no story. Now, I'm not sure that that is... I have, I have, I have a three-way tie for my best match of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I hate being stuck to one thing. So I, I'll go last, but um, we'll, we'll come back around to Stone Cold because I imagine that may be amongst everybody's favorite moment. Ricardo, what was your oh, favorite match of the weekend? My uh, best match of the weekend, I would have to give to AJ and Edge. Strictly off of, okay. when it comes to wrestling, I'm an old school fan. I, yeah. like, I, like, I, like, I like the story within the match. So having Edge put on the narrative of I'm a... I'm a legend in this industry. Mm-hmm. I am the epitome of the best of the best. To watch him go toe-to-toe with AJ to tell that story and mm-hmm. AJ not uh, relenting uh, at any point, really giving Edge a run for his money, trying to tell the story of, I could best you on your best day. Right. I thought that was a perfect moment. Now, coming on to the end of the match with the inclusion uh, of, what's his name? The Archer of Infamy. Yeah, Damian Priest. His inclusion in the match coming out, Damian Priest. His inclusion in the match at the end was a bit off for me. I, I I didn't like the way he. It didn't add anything. Having him distract AJ that way was almost like too on the nose. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really see the point in adding it. But the overall course of that match, it went well. If I had to rate it, I'll definitely give four and a half stars. But I like that style of the, that style of a match. So. That, that's why it's my best match of the weekend. Yeah. Best moment or favorite moment of the weekend. Y'all gonna go with the Stone Cold thing. My favorite moment of the weekend was the Johnny Knoxville Sami Zayn match. <laughs> it was humor <laughs> as I've never seen in a wrestling match. It was the best comedy match WWE's ever put on. I know we have these Facts. celebrity matches every year. Yes. But from a yeah. comedy standpoint, just like just pure laugh out loud, I've never seen anything like that in the WWE ring. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, we've had comedians in the past, but nothing like that. Yeah. So I thought they, they, they did a really good job scripting it out. I remember telling Alexis during the actual match, I see why Johnny hasn't been taught how to take a bump, because he spent his entire time in the lead-up to WrestleMania trying to put together these little uh, comic spots, trying to put together these little trinkets to hide around the ring. The buzzer that he left on the on the turnbuckle the to give uh, Sami a little, you know, buzz when he sat down. Like the rat trap thing, yep. like the big hand. Yep. All of that was like well thought out, well scripted. Whoever produced that match to have everything lined up. Yeah. They did a really good job. So that was my most entertainment entertaining moment of the weekend. Now I'm gonna add one more category. The worst thing of the weekend. He was gonna get to that. <laughs> Again, y'all might y'all might go uh, with the stone cold stun of feeling on Vince, but the worst thing of the weekend was no, that was, female tag team match. It was I, I don't even understand why it was on the card. Was. I don't understand the point of anything going on in that division. To call it a tag team division is strange because, as we see, every team in that match was a uh, thrown-together unit uh, to the point that when they made their entrance, everybody eight, came onto their own eight theme music. separate entrance music. Eight so that was separate that's entrance like, songs. We, we've seen teams thrown together 
uh, for a period of time, and then over time, like they get like the same music. Like the Dirty Bro. Dog is the perfect example. RK Bro, perfect example. Mm-hmm. But what happened in this females tag team division? Like you destroyed legitimate tag teams. Yep. I remember again saying to Alexis during the match. The Iconics. This would have been the perfect moment for the Iconics. Yep. A team that's been together for years, that has the chemistry, that yeah. can carry a match like that. But then Even... you had Naomi and Sasha, who ultimately won. They didn't. They don't have any chemistry. Nope. Like, it's good to see two black women, you know, carry belts and all that to celebrate from the race standpoint. But in the moment, in the actual ring, it was horrible to watch. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, <clears throat> I have to agree with you on, on those two counts in terms of I think the the Johnny Knoxville match was probably the the most well produced match of the entire weekend. Um, just when you consider everything that was involved, the amount of humans that was involved, the amount of gimmicks in terms of the traps, like it it felt like watching. Um, I want to say it felt like watching Road Runner and Wiley Coyote, but like in an actual wrestling match. That's what it felt like because when you think about all of the little traps and all of that sort of thing, um, and I think it was just it. It was. I'm. We. I'm mad that no one has mentioned, um, Sammy getting body slammed by Midget yet. Like I, I. First I, of I'm, all, I'm sitting here waiting for this. One. I, I am <laughs> so y'all still the, like to the, the, the recognize this this pivotal moment in wrestling. The fact, history. the fact that we man, I, to me, that's <laughs> akin to that's akin to Hogan slamming Andre. Okay, because <laughs> it's like you saw the setup for it. And he was like, okay, so they could try to do this. And he literally did it. Like, and he held Sammy, obviously, you he know. Did. It was the pause at the he top, of the, at the, he, uh, at the, top yes. of the slam for yes. me. When he got him up, I was like, bro, I don't know if he can hold it. He hold, he held him up for like three, four, five seconds. And then he made the slam. So right. that, that made it even better. Now, granted, right? Obviously, when you do a body slam with a smaller wrestler and a larger wrestler, the larger wrestler typically braces himself. On, but he still had to like... We man still had to be able to hold some degree of Sammy's weight up there for three seconds mm. seconds before Alexa, he slammed him. He, yeah, you you could brace yourself when you're uh, when you're going up against a normal height person. Let me let me let me make this clear because <laughs> what ends up happening is once you get up there, it's just like okay, I need to be as stiff as possible and not to like plow my weight down on the person beneath right. me. Right, but, right. To have somebody with such a low center of gravity is almost right. like, are you going to have the the capability to like shift my weight or to balance my weight because it's such a quick up? Yeah. And I don't mean it's so many little people out there. That's what made the spot even cooler. No, that, man was able to get him off, off the ground, basically lift Sami and let Sami give him the little boost and then be able to hold Sami's weight. So really good job. No, no, that, that, that match was... Um, that was incredible. It was really so, okay, so for me... My three-way tie is actually between the two matches that you said. Um, so obviously Seth versus Cody, and then AJ versus Edge. Um, the one I would throw in the mix would be Bianca versus Becky. Um, yes. And a part of the reason for that is yes. um, the way they started out the match. And to some degree, I was annoyed because it's that thing that you do with baby faces a lot of time where it's like, why didn't you learn your lesson? So they literally had the exact open to that match as they did um, at SummerSlam, which is Bianca sticking out her hand and then Becky pulling her in for what I think they call it the manhandle slam, which is like her version of the rock bottom. And obviously there was the reversal, the reversal, and she still hit her with it. Um, Obviously they went near fall and the match continued from there. 
Um, but I do think that the overall way that they played that story where, you know, Becky's whole thing was, you know, I've been at this longer. I'm better at this. I'm the goat of this division, all of those sorts of things. And then having to kind of work against Bianca, who was essentially because she took the finish early, you know, was played as the underdog for most of the match until they started to get towards the end with the high spots and that sort of thing. Um, the other thing for me was it was just like there's certain things that just catch my eye. It was the emphatic nature of that KOD to end the match where it's like you know that it's the finish because she put so much flipping oomph in that move. Like the way Becky bounced, the way that the height she got on it, everything about the way they, they mm. did that final stretch of the match with that KOD into the pin was just like, oh no, like this, this is it. And you could tell it's like, you know, you you live up to the hype of it being WrestleMania weekend. You're not playing it like just any other match. You're putting all of that extra emphasis in it. So for See, me, I can... go ahead. Yeah. So for me, that I I would put that into into my three way tie for what I thought was the best match for the weekend. So Cody and Seth, from a, a storytelling standpoint, although there was no real background story in the moment, um, and then AJ and Edge, just from the standpoint of. You got to have... So those two, I think, were like the work rate matches of the weekend where it's like you just put yep. two really good dudes yep. in the ring yep. who could tell a wrestling story in the ring with their work. Um, and I think that's what those two represented. And I think for me, we all knew that Be Bianca kind of needed to get that win back from SummerSlam. And I think the way they played that match overall, I found it very satisfying in the end. So that would be kind of my, my insertion into that group of what I thought was the two or three best matches from the weekend. Uh, re really good, really good uh, summation of the match, Alexis. I think I just wanted to make this point about why I didn't rate that match as highly as most people did. I just have this weird issue with Becky. Now, hear me out. Y'all hate me for this, but hear me out. <laughs> this new gimmick, well, it's not new. The whole diversion of what it is to be the man, yeah. big time Bex, whatever you want to call it. My issue with this gimmick is for such a long time, Becky hasn't delivered in the ring. La, if you look back at all the matches Ooh. she's had since the mm. the Ronda Rousey Charlotte Flair match, the I think it was Nile who originally hit in the eye and she was in the crowd with like just the blood pouring from her face. Like since those moments, I think Becky has been lost in this space of we all want to see you, we walk, we all want to see you do great, but Becky hasn't done anything spectacular in the ring in such a long time. She's needed Bianca in the main matches that she's had since she came back this after the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. She's needed Bianca somewhat to carry those matches. And that was the same thing for me on Mania Weekend. If you rewatch that match, it's moments in that match where Becky was a bit stiff. Mm -hmm. Becky was a bit out of sorts in terms of keeping up with Bianca. And just off the sheer talent and the, sh and the sheer like, skill set of Bianca, that match was great. But if you left it up to Becky, it was a few moments, like even with the flip that way, she ended up damaging Bianca's eye. Mm -hmm. That was completely on Becky just not being in the right spot at the right time and missing a role. Like, like I can't get beyond things like that when you're supposed to be, quote unquote, the best woman on the planet. Hold on. Like, you, you know how I feel about Charlotte. I... Charlotte, Charlotte <laughs> delivers every match from a, from, a, from a wrestling standpoint. Becky hasn't done that in quite some time. I, okay, so here's here's, Ooh, here's, where, here's where I'm going to call BS on 
not not the 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 idea of your argument, but the the energy you were giving your argument. And I, let me ask this question, and then then I'll continue. What is your ranking of the four horsewomen? No, I say I know you was gonna go there. <laughs> no, that has nothing to do with the plot. Yes, yes, yes. because okay, you yeah. talking about yes, Becky, Becky, but it's like Sasha is yes, Becky's queen. rated third on my list, only above Bailey. I'm happy I didn't have to say it. So you have I... so so okay. Huh. So your argument, so your argument is that you know she she was a bit stiff. Okay, I get your overall argument that from your perspective, she hasn't had the type of matches or or the quality of matches. Um, that rank up in your mind to Sasha and Charlotte, right? Right. My issue with, and one of the things that you mentioned then is essentially botches, working stiff, missing mo- missing cues, that sort of thing. How in God's name can you bring that energy when Sasha is the botch queen? Sasha is the botch queen. So how but you could rank you Sasha high? Hold on, hold on, hold on, Alexa. Okay. Hold on. You can't name a women's top 10 match list and three of them not belong to Sasha. How many does Becky out? Who was Sasha working with in those matches? Because uh, one, of, one of them is going to be one, one of them is going to be what? The Fatal 4-Way from NXT, Becky. right? Exactly. Right? One of, one of them is going to probably be Charlotte from her series of matches with Charlotte. Yeah. And one of them is probably going to be Bailey. Now two, I give two to Bailey. Iron Woman matches unmatched. So and okay. the match they had as their blow so, off to the last so, feud over the SmackDown women's title. So that's why Sasha is last for me personally. So, but Be- how many how many top ten matches does Becky have? That's this, what I'm saying. Becky is, is a moment. Don't get me wrong. She is a moment, but she's not a match. But who, she is a moment, but she's not a match. I I can dare say she's had one of the bigger moments though. That's what I'm saying. I'm not disputing that. If you're looking at just moments, she's probably had the moment. The whole ability <clears> to <throat> shift the narrative of being the cast out back yeah, basically to from yeah. earning my from, way back into a spot. From the SummerSlam loss. Moment. So from the SummerSlam loss right before Rousey came into the picture that eventually led to the triple threat match right. um, with her, Rousey, and Charlotte. So from that August of whichever year that was, which I think might have been 2018 or 2019... Um, yeah, that was kind of a turning point for Becky. I mean, <coughs> I get your overall point. Um, I get it too, honestly. But I'm at the same to time, to me, if even if you say Bianca carried the match, the match was still an excellent match. The same way, even if you said, okay, out of whatever matches Becky has in the top 10, she was carried by the other person in that match. It's still the same thing, right? It's like, to me, and this is my issue with Sasha, right? My issue with Sasha is Sasha only has good matches, really and truly, with the the other four horsewomen. Mm -hmm. Sasha does not give you the same energy and quality of a match outside of that. So I I would also say to you that Bianca carried the match last year with her and Sasha. She did. And so from that perspective then obviously the four horsewomen is a thing. But if you had to rate the top five female wrestlers individually in the WWE right now, I think Bianca has to crack your top four. I would agree. Now, obviously you could debate till the cows come home who pushes out of that that top four spot to who she supplants out of the four horsewomen. But I feel like 
she's been able to put on quality matches and she's so new to the to the main roster because she's been on the main roster for what a year and a half two years yeah she, she came to the main have... roster right before mania last year right yeah, yeah again i don't want i don't want to push it deep into that debate because like i keep saying that should be a podcast on Fair point. Did, Fair point. Fair right. point. But, but I'm just saying. But that to me, one of this weekend. That's why I couldn't rate the match that high. I felt like I just feel like Bianca had to do so much to take that match over the top. When quote unquote the person of the night or the man of the night or the moment of the night being Becky Lynch didn't really show up in my opinion. Listen, I am a Fair huge enough. Becky Lynch fan, and I, I I can totally understand where you're coming from. I don't think I don't think the current run since he's been back has been as spectacular. I do think the feud with Bianca has helped a lot, which is why I wasn't after a while. I wasn't as mad at how she won the belt from Bianca. Now seeing that where we are at this point, but I I, I say give. I honestly I say give Becky some time, especially coming. Well, back I think I say give her some some time. I think the in issue my, in my honest opinion. The issue there too for me is um I feel like Becky's run pre-pregnancy has to be separated from her run post-return. Because okay. I think her run as the man from that summer slam up until um winning and through after the aftermath of winning that match um with Charlotte and Rousey at Mania that year is still up there in terms of quality of matches. I guess Ricardo's right. Maybe more so quality of moments. Um, and perhaps that's like, like you said, that, that's a conversation for an entirely different podcast. Um, but for me, like I said, from my perspective, that was kind of, that was up there for me in terms of just enjoyable matches and, and especially from the feel good thing of having Bianca win. And like I said, the emphasis on that KOD at the end was just like the punctuation mark for me. That was the exclamation mark that just was like, yeah. Y'all, y'all did right by by Bianca after all of this. Um, in terms of favorite moment, um, I would say I, I give you the um, the Johnny Knoxville match, but it's hard for me to go against Stone Cold. Um, <laughs> and I mean both nights of Stone Cold. The fact that they was able to pull him. Um, for a 15-minute match with KO on Saturday night, and then, you know, the obligatory coming out to stun Vince um, and everybody else in sight on Sunday night is just, you you can't go wrong with a vintage Stone Cold moment. And the pop on both occasions was just, like, air-shattering. It was just, you know, it's hard to come away and not be like, you know, this is is a moment to remember. Um, I think it's such a big deal for KO because it's like, you know, I remember when KO posted the whole Mount Rushmore thing on Twitter and everybody knew his contract was coming up and there was the assumption that he was leaving and he was going to go to AEW. And we all kind of scratched our heads when him and Sammy resigned because we were like, why would these dudes resign? It seems like AEW would be a per- perfect fit for them um, just based on where they came from and the more indie approach to an, an old school approach to wrestling on the AEW side. But then you look at the moments that both KO and Sammy had this weekend and you look at him like, yeah, I can see why these dudes resigned because, you know, oh. with Undertaker retired, once you get out of the main event, celebrity matches tend to be up there in terms of what gets eyeballs and what gets mainstream attention. And obviously being pitted against Stone Cold is always going to be just a big flipping deal. So I think, you know, K- KO and Sammy to me come out as big winners this weekend. Um, and I can understand if, if this was kind of like we get into this when they talked about resigning, I could see why they resigned. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. They no one had a better mania or more fun at mania than Sami and KO. Definitely. Without a doubt. I mean, um, the only other option for them would have had them two in a match. So right. But it, I mean, this, 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 this is a good stopgap in between that long that that long term fight forever. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I'll I'll add in just two things in terms of biggest disappointments. Um I think there was just so much time wasted um on night one with promo packages for matches from night two. It's like you preach into the choir. You don't need to sell me if I'm watching WrestleMania on Saturday night. You don't need to sell me on the matches for Sunday night. I'm probably watching both nights. This is not like I watch in Raw and I might not watch SmackDown like that. So you sell me on a Roman Reigns Brock match on SmackDown. And I'm like, yeah, I might be there on, on, on Friday for that. This is not that. So I feel like there was so much time wasted, especially on that first night where they ended up having to bump um, New Day to night two. And then that was another disappointment for me because it's like you set these guys up. Um, to say, you know, this whole match was a tribute to Big E and they lost in under two minutes, um, which is just grossly disrespectful um, to both of those guys and to the idea that this was in honor of Big E. If there's a larger story here that they're playing towards where, you know, they turn heel or this brings about some new intensity because they failed in honoring their friend or whatever, you know, I don't know that that still would make up for what they did with them this weekend. Um, from being punted from the first night and then what they did with them in the second night was just almost like, okay, we have to get y'all on the card. It's going to be a big deal if we don't, but we ain't giving y'all nothing to actually do. Um, and so for me, that was kind of a, a disappointment in that space. And then just like, I love Takeo. I respect Takeo, but man, that <laughs> nigga took up too much time on WrestleMania weekend, right? Like, you know, fine. You take the hour for the, the Hall of Fame ceremony on Friday night. Fine. I give you that. But man, to come out and just like the, the whole entrance and, and taking 10 minutes on the stage, let these young dudes fight, man. You wasting time, you ain't even fighting. But I think the I think the I think the bigger problem yesterday. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, boy. I think the bigger issue with everything that you just put up, Alexis, the wasting time thing, I think it's just from the standpoint that WWE is operating in a new space. When I say a new space, they're trying to get their footing in the idea of what this this new standard of production is. So when it comes to wrestling, like you, you, you need those video packages. You need that. Hey, look what we got going. Cause don't forget, they've been getting criticized for it for like the last year when it comes to raw and SmackDown. like, you're not telling us what matches so we can look forward to. So I mm. guess, I think they went a bit overboard over the whole Mania run. But Mania just trying to tell different. you, Hey, look what we got coming. I didn't realize that was such an issue. But Mania uh, yeah. is different. Because don't forget, AEW started this whole narrative of every week we'll give you a whole highlight tape on what to expect next week. So, like, in the middle of Dynamite, they'll tell you, hey, next week on Rampage. Or, hey, at the end of the show, they'll give you a whole rundown of what's happening uh, the following week or the following pay-per-view. So I think WWE is trying to dabble in that space, but they just put too much too much of the foot on the pedal. No, but and even, they just held it down for far too long. Even in Raw... They would be better served to do that, but what they do a lot of times on Raw is recap stuff that happened on Raw five well, minutes earlier. Very like, much so. That that's the other issue. Is like you have a twenty minute opening segment, and then in hour two you play five minutes of the twenty minute opening segment. It's like if you miss that, you miss that. I don't need a five minute recap. They would actually be better served if they were saying, you know, coming up on SmackDown this week we have bloody 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 blah. If they were actually doing that on Raw, I would get it. 
But that's not even what yeah. they do. They waste so much time recapping things that happened in the same show. That's like if you See, watch they, it, don't, they don't they don't they don't trust the fans enough, and it's dumb to say it like this, but it's the absolute truth. They don't trust the fans enough to be smart in the sense of, hey, we put out a list of matches. You know what's coming. You see where I'm coming from? So they feel like they have to operate in a space where the people no. on TV, they watch it. We have to tell them we're coming up in the next segment. No, we it already ain't know. even that, Ricardo. They're telling you what happened in the segment that ran 30 minutes ago. That's my issue. That's what they do at Raw and SmackDown. I meant from the WrestleMania standpoint primarily. They operated in a space where, like, every no. time you went to a break after match, they have to give you the segment breakdown about what's coming up. But it creates like, we already confusion. Know, we See? already know the beats for Edge and AJ. <coughs> we don't need you to rehash every single detail. Here's the thing. I would have been okay with the promo packages for the matches coming up next, which is what they've always done. The problem and the confusion that they caused on Saturday night was... Everybody has in their mind, if you're a longtime wrestling fan and you're watching WrestleMania, when a video package starts, that means that's the video package for the match that's coming up next. What they did on Saturday night was they were running video packages for matches for night two. And so I remember sitting down and being like, okay, they're running the Edge AJ package, but then they didn't go to the Edge AJ match. And then we looked at the thing and was like, wait, that's because Edge and AJ is tomorrow night. And it created more confusion. You actually doing... You're doing the opposite of what you're trying to do because you end up confusing your fans. Right, because now you're operating in this new space of two nights and basically closed-circuit TV. So for the fans in the audience, when nothing happening, they have to give them something to watch and something to be entertained by, so they just play a video package while they clean up the set, do whatever they need to do to the ring, make the adjustments that they need to make on commentary. So they need to find something to eat up that time. So for us watching at home, it's like, bro, we already know what's happening tomorrow. You don't need to give me a long segment on that. But then they need time in the actual building to make these changes. It's almost like when you are at a basketball or a football game and they have a timeout or a TV timeout. Like you sitting there and some random dude is somewhere in the stadium or the arena doing something that's completely unnecessary. And you're like, why are you wasting time doing this? But then they need time for the commentators to do what they need to do they need time for the teams to you know hydrate and do all the other stuff for replays to happen so to the person at home watching it's like bro y'all wasting a lot of time on commercials but to the people in the building it's like we ain't really need to see all the stuff y'all got going on on the court or on the field so that's why wwe is now they with peacock they got two nights they got bigger sets bigger arrangements so they have to find time to adjust all of these things while we watch so fair but if if your if your whole premise behind this is that you think your fans aren't smart, then you have to lean all the way into it, and you have to say, on night two of WrestleMania, we have AJ versus Edge run the package. So that way, like I said, as a longtime fan, I see the package. My my Pavlov's dog response is this: is the match coming up next, and so you have to treat me like I dumb and tell me that you preview in the match for tomorrow night, because otherwise, there's confusion. And there was a lot of confusion as we were messaging in the chat on Saturday night about what the hell is going on, why they're running video packages for tomorrow night. So to me, yeah. just go, go, don't do half measures, do the full measure. Tell us we stupid and tell us, okay, this is the preview for the match for tomorrow night. More so for the or people at home. Or you could do home. it the smart way. Or you could do it the smart way. You could put a team together that focuses primarily on the TV watching audience that doesn't need all of that narrative 
and then you treat them, quote-unquote, like smart fans, and then you do a different package for the people in the actual building. That will allow you to buy time and tell you then, after Judah destroy the ring ropes, put in new ring ropes. After yeah. Undertaker then mess up the ring, not the Undertaker, Stone Cold then mess up the ring with all the bear, <laughs> put on a new canvas. Give you time to do that, and then give the fans at home something to watch, something to take up their time. Yeah. Like even if you do better interview segments in between matches, prior to matches, right. or however, just giving like something new to watch. Right. I but mean, like I said, they're operating in a new space and they learn how to do this thing on the fly. No. Hopefully, they learn from it and improve and get a better production yeah, team in right. there to handle so, it. So, to me, if you're gonna take, nice. if you're gonna take your cue from real sports, then treat the inter. So for for the people at home. Treat the interludes between matches like mini halftime shows, right? So, like, you think about Monday Night Football. At halftime, they give you the rundown of what happened, um, you know, in the in the first half of the game and some key points to what's coming up next. So, you could even do that in a miniaturized form, right? Which is you have, um, like, Rosenberg and Booker T um, and Nigel McGuinness, whoever else they had on that preview team, kind of come in and be like, you know, quick recap of that match. From that perspective, I would even say do that. But we kind of getting lost in the weeds in our conversation a little bit, I feel. But I mean, there, there is, I think there's room for improvement in that space in making that make a little bit more sense. Definitely. Um. So, good. So I think we've kind of covered mostly the good. Any, any other high points you guys want to kind of just point to before we move into the bad and the ugly? Oh, yeah. The Steiner Brothers in the Hall of Fame. For a lot of people, that, that's not a big deal. But for me, a, w, a WCW idiot, that's a super big deal. Yeah. So Rick and Scott Steiner, next to the Harlem Heat, they were WCW royalty when it came to tag team belts. So to see them move over to the WWE Hall of Fame and get the credit that they deserve, a lot of people forget that Scott Steiner and Triple H, they, they have a lot of blood, a bad blood. Mm-hmm. So to see WWE bounce off of that and actually give them the space in the Hall of Fame, I know it's the whole Braun Breaker thing, but just, just to see them in that moment and in that space, that was, that was a really big deal for my childhood. Yeah. I was but, just going to say, especially since um, Scott doesn't really care about that. He mostly did because of the product. I, I, I really, really stuff. find it funny. Um, that y'all going on calling this dude Scott Steiner like he and big, big Papa Pump for like 20 years. I, I appreciate And the fact that the, and, and the fact that the big Papa Pump is is more so the person who has bad blood with Triple H than Scott Steiner from when he was actually running as Scott Steiner. But I'll give y'all a blind. Um all right, so other other high points for me. The two RKOs to end the, the, the tag team match for the Raw tag team belts. Um, that spot with Riddle and Taz off the top rope was pretty darn good. Um, immediately followed by the RKO off the top rope by Orton onto to Chad Gable. Good stuff. Um... So let's move to the bad. It's it's just so much. So, it's just so much. And Emil, Emil, Emil. I'm I I was one that complained the entire first hour and a half, two hours of night one, mm-hmm. and most parts of night two. 
when I say there's a lot of bad, I'm not talking so much so from the actual matches at WrestleMania. Right. Most of them turn out to be really good. When you right. look at it, the formation of everything, okay. this is probably one of the best WrestleMania cards that we've had in the last 10 years, maybe. Agreed. When I say there's a lot of bad, it stands from the overall flow of things. And we touched a bit on this conversation yeah. in, 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 the last, in the last thing. But it's just this thing we need to do now as wrestling fans to understand that wrestling and well wrestlemania and wwe is moving to the space of they only care about moments so becky lynch could fly all these other things could fly they don't care about actual in-ring chemistry they don't care about actual storytelling they don't care about any of the any of those things we had like 19 segments of gabe stevenson for no reason yeah we had 110 segments of pat mcafee just screaming about how you can't wait to beat the hell out of Austin Theory. It's fun. moments like that, like, we don't need, bro. Like, you could do a better job building these stories in the lead-up to Mania and even post-Mania. We're coming off a of Raw. We're recording on a Tuesday night. We're coming off a of Raw last night with absolutely nothing coming off of WrestleMania. A bunch of filler matches and a bunch of non-necessary commentary. Like, the only thing that came out of Raw was Cody addressing the reason he came back to WWE. That was the best thing. And then all of a sudden, you caught on YouTube and you find out that, oh, after the Raw went off air, they got Cody versus KO. Why not put that on actual TV? Like, what are we doing here? Oh, that's right. That didn't happen after <laughs> in the dark, man. Like, I just don't get it no more. Like, what, 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 what did we as fans do to piss WWE off to say, hey, we're not going to give them quality content anymore. We're just going to do what we need to do for moments. Get them to go <sighs> crazy and want to rewatch it on YouTube and leave it at that. What 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 did we do? And my thing is, there's so much that could have been done with it, right? So to me, like, okay, so even having Cody announce that you know he come back basically to chase the title, right? Nice. To me, I would have, and, and I told you guys this on the pod last week, going into Mania. For me, if you don't have a big debut or a big return for this post Mania Raw, right? then what you do is, and, and actually, I feel like they might have been better served if Cody didn't show up until last night, personally, because then you have your big return, right? Um, but from the standpoint of just announce the tournament for whatever the new or, or the split out title is going to be. We know this is not going to last. This unified title is not going to be something that lasts for a long time, simply because you have two separate network partners, two different networks, two different shows, each one is going to want a primary title of their own to call their own. And so we know this is coming. So if you don't have that big debut or that big return, just push us that. Tell us that, you know, we're creating X, Y, Z. Because like we know this unified thing is just, that's literally going to be for a moment. But the fact that, like even the Braun Breaker thing, right? So I, to me, I, I figured that their approach to this Jesus was... Christ, why you bring that back? I just, I just got over that about an hour and a half ago. Like, I had to sit down and really let that melt into my mind. Oh, like, why he lose at Mania to win at Raw? I, Not even NXT. You want, me to, you, let him win at you want me to explain? Jesus. No, I, I, I would rather you not. You I want me to explain? Go ahead. I Go could, ahead. I could, give you w, I could give you Vince's explanation. Sorry. Not WWE. I could give you Vince's explanation. Vince knew that having NXT stand and deliver, that's what it was called, right? Having that on Saturday afternoon meant that you were not getting eyeballs. And so you want to highlight this dude or whatever. 
You have him lose at, at the NXT team. Ain't nobody watching that. And then, then you're like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll have the rematch on Raw. And a big post-mania audience. And he's going to win the title back. And it's just like, but nobody actually cares. And it would have made more sense for your NXT audience for him to have actually done that at NXT. But, okay, whatever. But I honestly think that that's what the mentality was. That nobody's really going to end up, not a lot of people are going to watch this live. So if you want to give him the title back and, and, and you know, play to the Raw audience and play around and see what, what kind of reaction he gets in front of that crowd, then you run that match on the post-mania Raw. But it's like, for your big thing for post-mania Raw to be an NXT championship match, a Cody Rhodes just... promo and a Roman Reigns promo, that actually didn't address Cody Rhodes. That, that actually didn't address Cody Rhodes promo from the opening segment, which basically said, say "I want the title." None of that makes sense. Like this is actually the worst post Mania Raw I think in probably the last decade. Right. I just, I just feel like WWE is getting real, like vehement politics, but the way they do things, but it's like they doing things just to say they do things, and then when you check them a week later, like, hey, why we do that? We know. Or we were just trying to get through Tuesday, you know. So y'all do it to get through the day to get to the next day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what gonna happen to the repercussions of that? Or we didn't think that far ahead. Like that's exactly what it is. Like you debut Bear, right? Like nobody asks for him. But you debut him in a segment to compete against Ray Mysterio. <laughs> to do what? Like there's no benefit to him winning against Ray. There's no benefit to him losing against Ray. First of all, you know the do you know what's bad when the best parts about that whole post raw was the Uso segment with Austin Theory, just because I love the Usos and Elias coming back as his younger brother. Hold on, did he say he's his younger <laughs> yes. brother? Yes, he, he absolutely when, oh, it, was, it, was, it was KO who's asking him, mate. KO asked KO asked him what happened to Elias. No, he was like, yeah, and so he was like, I'm not Elias, I'm his younger brother, he's you. Hold on, wait, let me ask, this might be random. Is, does Elias technically have a younger brother in WWE? No. Or is that really Elias who that came is back? That really Elias. That is Elias mm-hmm. who came back shaved, took off the, the rocker gear, and looks like a generic oh. wrestler, to pose as his younger brother. Easy. Why? I feel like all it's, lead, all it's leading to is a cinematic match between Ezekiel and Elias at like SummerSlam or something. You know, you know it coming. Because it's like, I don't understand what we're doing here. You know it like Again, they, working through Tuesday to get past Tuesday. You know how insane it is to have... What are they, they're a billion-dollar company now, right? Uh, are they valued uh, at a billion? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you know how insane it is to have a billion dollar company that is essentially operating as though they go in like paycheck to paycheck? Because that's how they write. They write in like they go in from paycheck to paycheck, even though they're a billion dollar company. It makes absolutely no sense. You're absolutely You are absolutely. So I guess for me, a lot of the bad kind of comes around to injuries and screw ups when it comes to that sort of thing. So we had AJ cut his face on the entrance ramp and also pop his shoulder out of socket in the match with Edge. We had Bianca literally look like her eyeball could have been hanging out how bad that thing was with her eye and looking at it a day later and it's like it still looks like the nastiest black eye that you've ever seen in your life. Um, Obviously the Rick Boogs injury and then 
you know, in the biggest WrestleMania match in history, you have Roman Reigns pop a shoulder out of socket. Um, from what I've seen people talking about, it seems like it more than likely happened on the spear through the barricade than during the Kimura lock. Um, at least that's where the conversation was online in the last two days. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it's, it's, it, that stuff always kinds of pulls away from the overall feel of the weekend. Um, especially when you consider that, you know, it seems like they rushed to the finish of the Brock Roman match because of that. And that didn't end up being as impactful to me overall as a match as they attempted to, to, to build it up to be. And it might have gotten there if they had if they had been able to play out the rest of the match as they had intended. Because I'm assuming there was more to the match than what happened. Because like I, I read somebody's recap of it and it was like, you know, you feel like you're watching a movie and you feel like you just go in from like the first act into the second act or the second act into the third act and then the movie just ends. And that was essentially how that match played out. It felt like, okay, so you've gotten through this first or second segment, and now we're going into the actual, like, final, you know, five minutes, whatever it is, run of this yeah. match to get to, like, the real big finish. But no, it actually ended right at that moment rather than letting the last five minutes play out. And I feel like that was a pretty accurate um, depiction or, or explanation of how it felt watching the match. Because, and then I guess it's just, to me, my other thing with this is, We've seen Brock versus Roman so many times, and I don't know that much has changed other than the face-heel alignment this time around. I think the way their matches play out has been pretty much the same, regardless of even the face-heel alignment. Um, and so to me, it kind of just, it nothing felt special about it, right? Like to me, when you have Taker versus Shawn, two WrestleManias in a row, there still was different feels to those two matches. When you had Hunter versus Taker two years in a row, obviously the second one was Hell in a Cell, so that obviously would have had a different feel. Like, in other rivalries, you could have different vibes to each match. Even when you look at Seth versus Roman from earlier this year, that had a completely different... Even everything about the match, the way the match played out, was different from their matches in the past. But I feel like every Brock versus Roman match is essentially the exact same match. Because all they really do is spam big moves and finishers. And eventually, it's the same story over and over and over again. It kind of diminishes the overall value of the match and the story. So yes, and then, like I said, it was kind of predictable given that Roman has never beat Brock at Mania. You know, obviously, you have to kind of give him that win at some point. And if it wasn't going to be this one, it never was coming. Because if you're not going to give him that win in this match... You're never given Roman that win over Brock at Mania. So uh, that was also obvious. So I don't know. Everything about that match to me was just anticlimactic from my perspective. Even though we got the result that was the right result, I don't know that I necessarily enjoyed the entirety of how we got there. Well, that's a really good assessment. I think the issue, like you said, was injuries. Now, there's been some 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 uh, stuff passed around backstage and on the dirt sheets to talk about what really happened with Roman's shoulder. Like, on TV, it seemed like in moments that it was dislocated and he had to pop it back in. And then other moments, it seemed like he was fine. I think the bigger takeaway from that is just... You build up all that time and all the hype behind that match. And like we were saying, they tried to push all the way up until uh, midnight. So for you to have that moment to end like that, it wasn't just anticlimactic. It was dumb. 
Like, Roman should have found a way in. I don't judge anybody who gets injured, and I'm not calling him soft or anything like that. All I'm saying is, you have to find a way to gut it out or to call Audible on the fly that gets you to get you to a point where it still makes sense. Right. Like, if you had the shoulder injury, don't cut the match short. Like, try to sell it a bit. Try to do other maneuvers. Yeah, you need the yeah. shoulders to do uh, your spare. But at the same time, tell a different narrative to help build up the point so you can get to that end mark. Not just go to the end mark right away and call it a night. Like, it, it was just bizarre. And it, it ruined something that could have been spectacular. Even if you watch Brock at the end, it was almost like he just laid there because... He had a match over now. I ain't got nothing else to do. I don't know if we could just rush into this whole angle where he walks over me, hold the belt up. I don't know. So I could just stay down for as long as possible. Right. To the point that after they took the cut and went back to Roman, they actually had to cut back to Brock, who was just looking up at him, walking up the ramp. We've never seen a WrestleMania end like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing for me is, you know, it goes to show the nature of who you have in the ring. Um, I was thinking the same thing. And I understand that's going to sound very, very, um, very well, dismissive. Right. But it's the difference between storytellers and dudes who just wrestle. Yeah. And, and I think that's the perfect way to, to explain it. So I Boy, feel shout like... Shout out AJ Styles, who at one point in his run in Europe and uh, Japan, he made a botch off one of the ropes and he turned that into a story for like, the entire weekend, like four nights. Yeah. Like, hey, can I make right. it up the road this time? Yeah. Like that's 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 what you talk about when you talk about wrestlers who know how to entertain, who know how to tell a story, yeah. who yeah. know how to get involved with the fans. Yeah. And so Roman, like I respect Roman. He's done tremendous work as this head of the table character. But it's those little moments that separate Seth Rollins yep. from Roman Reigns. Yes. Those little moments that separate yes. AJ Styles, Edge. Yep. Even Undertaker from Roman Reigns. Yeah. Triple like, H. Undertaker that match he had yes, Triple H. Shawn Michaels. That match he had against Goldberg in Saudi a few years ago. Like he was thrown up. Goldberg tried to kill him. But he still sold each and every angle of that match. Yeah. And that's the credit yep. to Dudu Nada put on a good performance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th I think, uh, you know, J Javon said it very, very clearly. It's the difference between storytellers and dudes who just go out and wrestle. So I feel like you swap out Roman in that spot for any of the following wrestlers, and you would have gotten a different outcome that probably felt more satisfying. Um, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Edge, AJ Styles. I think any of those dudes... You know, John Moxley from, you know, the other side. I think any of those dudes you slot into that position would have found a way to call an audible to get to maybe what the planned end was more quickly, but in a more satisfying way. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, just 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 figure it out. Just just find find a way to to make it pop, because this is supposed to be the biggest, you know, main event or the biggest match in WrestleMania history. And it kind of went out with a whimper. I mean, injury or not, it still went out with a whimper. Even the overall match before before the end, before the injury, it still was kind of just like, we doing same old, same old. Like, kick out. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you could have called the audible to a point where if you know eventually your plan was to win with a spell, you could have let Brock beat you for another five to ten minutes. Like, let him destroy you with move after move after move, and then you just surprise him with, like, the shock of the of the century, like, 
Brock did all of this, and he was expect like let him toy with you to the point that he's laughing with the crowd. Like, hey, this guy, I told you he couldn't do it. Like, pointing to like uh to Heyman and telling Heyman, is this like your pick? Is this the guy you yeah. betrayed before? Is, is like, you this are your tribal all about chief? to it. Yeah, yeah. And then in that one moment where he gives up his focus on Roman, Roman surprised him, hit him with the biggest pair that we've ever seen, right. and we get the pin one, two, three, shock everybody. Like, that's what you do. Like, you just take the punishment for a while and get through, grit it out. Yeah. That's what wrestlers yeah. have been doing for a really long time. Even right. if Roman had to add a little tidbit to where, you know, usually when he does the Superman punch, he loads it up. But that arm, he tries to do it and just is like, oh, frig it, because my arm is in there and just goes about to do it. Just little things like that. Just yeah. to play it up and just setup, little tweaks. Like just, just little tweaks. Give it, you know, a more oomph to, to the ending, even if you got to rush it, even yeah. if you got to get there quicker than you expected. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I my, my only response to that would be he's supposed to win the match. There's obviously plans going forward. You're not gonna want this to end. You don't want this title reign to end, or you don't want this to 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 to, to come to a halt because of injury. So I think that might have been a call that was made from backstage. Obviously, you know the the ref has an earpiece. You have people around the ring. No, no, no. And this is why I could say no so firmly. If you watch the moment in that match where he realized his shoulder was pr- a problem, he went to Paul. He rolled over into the corner to Paul and told Paul, out. "You could hear it audible on the mic." Hey. The shoulder's out. It's out. It's out. And then Paul went into this whole, what do we do, my tribal chief? And he made the narrative. And that communication happened right there for him to tell him, let's go home. So Roman made that decision in the ring. Yeah. So if you watch Brock, Brock didn't respond as in, hey, what's the plan? Mm. Brock responded in, okay, I'm going to stick to the story. Yeah. And then Roman hit him with a finisher and the communication happened between them two. Like, yeah, we ended it. The shoulder done. That's right. why Brock just laid there in the sense of, well, I guess that's how I have to sell this now. This isn't the moment we have to finish it, right. but this is how we're going to end it now. Yeah. Go go back and watch it. That's why I, like, all again, all respect to Roman. Roman is the best we have in the company right now. Damn, they're the best we have in wrestling. Uh, CM Punk got doing some good stuff. MJF doing some good stuff, so he right up there. But I just think in moments like that, you have to find a way, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. everybody... People paid really good money but I mean, even to if, watch this match of the of a lifetime. But as I say, I mean, it might have come down to even if he was the person to make that decision, it's self-preservation, right? That's that's the decision that was made is I'm not willing to like really frig up my shoulders to the point where I have to be out for time. I feel like what this is now is manageable. I may need a couple of weeks. Let me just preserve myself um, as opposed to, you know, the the fans and what what people may want to see and find satisfying and i think it's you know it's an interesting spot to have because it's like you put yourself in that position um would you make a different decision you don't know at the end of the day like i said i mean it is what it is at this point right the match was a bit of a disappointment overall but i think I think even even despite whatever they might have had planned, so much of the match had run the way every other Brock Roman matches ran that I don't know that it would have been any more satisfying. So to me, it's just kind of like, okay, so if it's five more minutes of the same thing that you guys have been doing in every match that you've had over the past three or four years, do I care? Not really. Take us home. Yeah. 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 I, I can give the same attitude that the match gave. Yeah, money already spent. We already earned what we had to earn. Let's wrap it up. And that was the exact vibe we got from Roman coming down the stretch. And to to Brock's credit, 
to Brock's credit, he was really involved. So I, I guess if, if, if something stood out out of this whole feud and this Brock. whole match is that Brock was really involved. Brock was very interested in doing his part for the first time yes. in a long time. He was interested in being the guy that helped Roman get over the top. He he was interested in being the guy that added to the story, the whole back and forth with, uh, with him and Paul. Yep. Like even during the, the, the introductions, we've never seen Brock that animated. We've never seen, like even young Brock was never that animated. Uh-uh. So whatever, whatever, like that, whatever, 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 it was a bit heartbreaking. It was a bit yeah. like even when we wrapped up uh, watching, it was almost like, hey, yeah. well, I, I, I guess that's it. I guess, I guess that's it. I guess we're going home, and that was yeah. really what it is. I mean, I think that's the one thing. I feel like this, the the lead up to this feud, is probably the best out of any of their previous matches. Um, and I think that Happy Go Lucky Brock was a Brock that I never thought I would see. It was a Brock that I've thoroughly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um. It was a Brock I could get behind, despite some of my issues with the fact that they gave him that belt only for the sole reason of having his match end this way. I do also have a very interesting thought as to, I wonder if the plan was for Roman to lose at day one and climb back to the championship by WrestleMania. And that then makes me wonder about this whole COVID thing with him and all of that. I'm a conspiracy Mm. theorist. I am a cynic at heart. And so for me, it's just like, I can see Roman being like, you know what? Somebody find me a positive COVID test because I ain't losing this belt. We can force this issue a different way because it ain't going out like that. Because to me, I just do find all of that interesting. I, I, I honestly feel like the plan might have been to have Roman lose and have him still as a heel climb back to winning the title at Mania. That's my From personal From a cynical thought. standpoint, I could see it. But why I think that didn't? Why I think that was never in the cards is for this reason and this reason only. They had no other ploy to make this match not only bankable but the big caliber match that they wanted it to be. Except for going title. There, there, there title was nothing title. else that they could do except two titles. Fair. Like you could put one title on the line. We've seen it before. We've seen them with yeah. somebody else involved. The only thing you could do is to sell it from a promotional standpoint. Okay. Hey, we we merge okay. the titles. Hey. Like, even if you were to throw a special guest referee in there and it was Vince McMahon himself or The Rock himself, it wouldn't have taken it to the level that they needed it, which was... Right. Title hey, versus title was stop the only... What, exactly. Stop what you're doing. Watch what you're doing. This He's could be the greatest match in the history of the world. Yeah. The only thing that they could do is say, hey, belt versus belt. These guys have run uh, roughshod over the entire industry for the last two years. Now they're about to clash like titans. So who's Watch the it. ultimate and champion? That, yeah. And that's exactly what they wanted. That's what they got. So I, that's why I never thought it was essential, like him going in, going to lose. That's why I told you all from Jump, if you all remember exactly, when we were talking about day one, I was like, yeah, but Brock will find a way to get that belt. They need that belt for the big match at Mania. I don't know why they need two belts, and then it all unfolded that they trying to build this as the greatest match that we've ever seen. It wasn't that. But yeah. that's what that, that was a part of the build from Jump. It wasn't close. No. It wasn't close. I mean, you know, all in all, all in all, if you take out post mania raw, which was like I said, an absolute disappointment. Um, you know, match quality wise, I, I agree with you, Ricardo. I think this was probably one of the, yeah. the better um 
WrestleMania cards, top to bottom, that we've had. Because, um, I mean, you take out... If you take out, um, like, the New Day match... You the, take, tag, the, uh, tag match. The, the women's tag match. And you take out... Um, Corbin versus um, was it Corbin versus McIntyre? No, yeah, it was, it was Drew. Oh, can we side note? I just pretend you mentioned that. I just want to shout out Drew and Bobby because honestly, they 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 made do with the little they had. Don't do that. They they they, they made don't do, do that. Don't they, do that. They, <laughs> don't they do may that. do it. Don't do that. So you if, you if you throw out those four matches, right? So you throw out the women's tag team title match. You throw out um, the New Day match. You throw out Drew and Corbin. Drew and, and Corbin and Bobby and almost. Almost. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty damn good card. Yeah. But don't, no, sell, I'm not don't, don't sell me on Lashley versus almost. No, I'm not trying to sell you on it. I'm Drew trying to say Corbin. that. Those were wastes of they, time. They should have not Filler, had those matches. Like, obviously, like, those were the fillers. Because, like I say, even, like, so That's McAfee, what I'm saying. Like, McAfee versus Theory was supposed to be a cool-down match before the main event, and it was definitely was really not good. that. That was really good. Yeah. That was really good. But see, that lends it back to the point I was making earlier about hiring a proper production staff. Hiring, like, old-school wrestling writers that put together and form out a show for you to get that feeling, to get those waves, to get those ebb and flows, because... Those are the things that WWE is missing that AEW has. Yeah. And even to an extent, like, bro, NXT was an even more put-together uh, overall uh, match flow. Like, NXT was better this weekend, but, it, like, I just don't get it. I give up trying to trying to understand Vince, because it's not... I, I should stop saying WWE. Vince. It's definitely just Vince. Vince. It's Vince. It's, it's Vince trying to figure out how to, again... Have these moments instead of having a full-on show. Like, we have to move away from just getting these quick YouTube clickable pops and try to actually put together a systematic show that delivers for fans that want to be in the building and fans who want to pay for the pay-per-view or Peacock and watch at home. That's that's my final takeaway from WrestleMania weekend. You just need to figure out how to move away from moments and build substantial shows. That's why I said in the last part, Vince completely ignored everything that happened in the last WrestleMania with all the matches, the great matches, and just saw like, hey, y'all like really y'all really like that bad bunny guy wrestling on on, on WrestleMania. You know what? What what celebrities we could get that stuff bigger moments than that? So, so I, I love to I, sit I, in I, one of their marketing. <laughs> I, I agree Vince is like, hey, they like celebrities. Who celebrities we could pill? Now well, we could get the Jake Paul guy. I don't know who that is, but let's get him. Let's do it, right? <laughs> so I will say this because this is where I was going to end, and it was to end on a high note. Um, we've had celebrities in WrestleMania matches for a long time. What we got last year with Bad Bunny, and what we got this year with, um, I think it was Logan Paul uh-huh. and um, Johnny Knoxville, and Johnny Knoxville. Legit made me feel like the three of those do well, less so Johnny Knoxville, but definitely Logan Paul and Bad Bunny, like and even yeah. Pat McAfee to an extent. Obviously he's been actually training, but these these those guys is just like if they could continue getting celebrity involvement that looks like that, kudos to flipping them because they've been knocking it out of the park the last two years. And I think those were the two biggest surprises for me from the weekend was mm-hmm. how quality wrestling we got out of 
more so Logan Paul and just from a a, a, a sports and entertainment them. standpoint, yeah. what we got out of Johnny Knoxville. Kudos to flipping them. Agreed, agreed. I was very, I was very surprised because I didn't think they would live up to the Bad Bunny from last year because that was that was an eye opener. Yeah. Um, but those guys definitely delivered. First of all, oh, and again, Park Marquez. I know y'all said he is wrestled. I know it's been said numerous times, but still, his athleticism, honestly, shocked it's like the dude hell was a punter. Where the hell he get all this athleticism it, from? It, it shocked the hell out of me. Like he he wasn't a running back. He wasn't a receiver. It's, he wasn't a safety yeah. or a corner. He didn't play like the 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 positions you would typically um correlate to that level of athleticism. Mm-hmm. That dude was a punter. When See, he springboarded to the top rope, this is this is how I know I can judge y'all football fundamental. Bill Belichick could be so disappointed in how how much y'all have undervalued the special team players. In order for you to play special teams to make a punt, you still have to be able to cover range on the field. Pat McAfee is known for big tackles in the open field. He is showing a lesson, a lesson to his entire career. Pat McAfee is that guy. Respect so now, him. I can pull a dilate tape and I can send it to all of you. So He's a big tackle in the middle I'm like, obviously, I got to go look at yeah, Pat McAfee's tackle tape me, now. Me too. Because I, 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 don't, I don't know. Because... If Pat continues on this on this part where he's going and continues to improve his craft in ring, I have to agree with you, Alexis. That man's a future champion. I'm sorry. That man's a future champion. I'm sorry. Put that <laughs> nigga against the tribal chief at SummerSlam and give Pat McAfee the damn belt. Boy, y'all is rushing the things. Y'all is rushing the things. Vince, Vince, <laughs> Vince. I didn't like how Vince is think. Vince looking at that reaction. See, this is... Understand. You have to you have to frame this, right? It's never been about who Vince was aligned with as mm. much as it's been about who Vince was opposed to. So it's more important that Pat McAfee was in the stone cold role, more so than the fact that Austin Theory was in whatever corporate aligned champion that Vince had over the years because the story between him and Stone Cold even when The Rock went opposite Vince that was more impactful than when The Rock was the corporate champion so I say that to say that we learned a lot about what Vince thinks of Pat McAfee over Wrestlemania weekend based on the spot that he put Pat McAfee in and so by that by virtue of that alone it don't have to be SummerSlam. Give me Pat McAfee versus Roman Reigns next, next year at WrestleMania and give Pat McAfee the belt. All right. All right. You all heard it here first. first. <laughs> future future uh, world future. champion. But I do think he is, though. I I, I honestly... Oh, and he, listen. Whenever he fully steps into the ring, him commentating his own match has... Has to, to be a part of the gimmick. Has. Has to be a part of the gimmick. Has to be. When he put on yours. the headset, what did he say? He said his parents' names. He said their baby boy <laughs> is beating the hell out of Austin <laughs> Theory. And I'm like, you know what? This is actually like the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I understand that most of the audience at home wouldn't have gotten that. But for the fa- I mean, in the, in the stadium wouldn't have gotten that. But for the fans at home, that was gold. That was pure gold. It was. I like how Ricardo was not responding to me calling for Pat McAfee to be the next champion. He didn't listen. He's been dead silent. He muted his mic. <laughs> I muted my mic for a reason because while I support Pac McAfee <laughs> and everything that he's capable of doing, the only match I will see for a title is Cody versus Roman. And that's, that, that's, that, that's I, it. I, I, I agree with you, though. That, that needs to be the next. 
I don't well, I don't trust Vince to give Cody a title. Is, not from I, he's Roman. going to feud with Seth first. And then I think it's going to be to a number one contenders match. And I think that's where we're going to get Roman. I disagree. I disagree. I actually Cody, think the way they uh, get Cody to that title is through money mm-hmm. in the bank. Mm, I don't um, think you need to... I don't, I don't think, I don't think you need it. it, but I think I that may be the path where they take to get him there. I see Austin no. Theory with the, the money in the bank in your case. Next year, not this year. You can't get him on the title. No, no, he could win and just hold it like for a long period of time. Yeah, he's not he's not less than twelve months away from from holding the title. Sorry. Give him money in the bank next year, not this year. All right. Otherwise you give it in to him for him to lose. He is a winner. I mean, in terms of he, we really only have what two people who've lost when they cashed in. You, if you get a, you, no, uh, uh-uh. I see him having a, a miss, like. <laughs> I just think the reason why I say money in the bank is because I think Vince is going to hesitate on pulling the trigger of having Cody Rhodes beat Roman Reigns for the title, simply because of the fact that he went to AEW and came back. He can well, beat anybody else on the roster for the title when they deunify. I don't see Vince. And that's giving why him yeah, that W yeah. over Roman Reigns. Yeah. It's going to be after the unifies, and it's not going to be against Roman, but he's going to win the belt. He's going to be. Oh, he, I think I think Cody Rhodes is going to be a world champion before the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's not going to be that long. So maybe Cody could fight Pat McAfee next year at WrestleMania, and Pat could get the title then. That's that's why. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you ain't gonna do the son of the son of the plumber like that. No. Oh man, grandson of the plumber, please print the shirt. I need that. I need that. <laughs> Y'all know we've ended plenty apart with Vince Gavince, so we'll see what Vince does next. <sighs> All right, guys. Um. Like I said, really, you know, all in all, like I said, I think I think it was a, a decent weekend of wrestling. Um, I think I think generally speaking, the good outweighed the bad. Um, I think that top to bottom, it's going to be hard to top this card next year at WrestleMania. I'll 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 be interested to see on how yes. how Vince those get around doing that, especially with the two night format. I think that gets to be more and more difficult as time goes on. But I think overall, you know. They they do know what they're doing when it comes to Mania Weekend. The rest of the year could be a crapshoot, but, you know, they know how to pull off Mania well. And all in all, I think they pulled it off well this year, despite, you know, the flaws. Yeah, I think if they just take up the fluff. like the, They better know what they're doing next year. Mania, Mania in L.A., they better know what they're doing. I'm going to pass through for that. You know, L.A. is my spot. So if something big happened, I got to go see for it. So they better know what they're doing. <laughs> By spending money, they better know what they do it. One of, one of these years I can get Cardo, right. I know, right? Cardo right and at WrestleMania might be the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Might be perfect. The perfect the perfect way to bring in WrestleMania. You see Cardo jump the rail to go and beat down somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Talk like, sure. Talk sure. <laughs> if Cody in, in the main event, if Cody in, in the main event, it'd have to be the rock. They they the only two things I accept it. Yeah. At this point in time, I can, I can they're, the only, they're the only two people. I can literally see I can literally see Ricardo jumping jumping the barricade in a Kobe Bryant jersey to attack somebody. Again, it, talk it, to it. Talk to it. Now does it matter which night though? 
Cause no, it don't. It don't. it don't. I just need that to. I need that to be a main event. Right, Either cool. Cody or Rock versus Roman. Yeah, that Rock one might be hard to pull off, but I, I mean, obviously, that's the thing that they've been kind of keeping their eyeballs on for the last few years. I mean, to me, if you're getting to Rock versus Roman, though, I feel like Roman has to have the title up until then. More than likely. Because the, the, the moment is set perfectly for that to be Rock. I think the only... I, I mean, I think right now... Considering where it is. If you remove Brock from the title picture, which they may or may not be doing, if you looked at the roster, I think there's only three people currently on the roster or... Two people on the roster, one person off, that I would say I would feel comfortable beating Roman for the title. Seth, Cody, mm-hmm. and Rock. That's the only three. My my Pat McAfee half jokes aside. Fair. 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 Then again, you fair. know, Vince. Vince will have Vair go and do it. Like how he had um, the Maharaja a few years back. I, please stop. Don't you, they don't have you an India that, tour and they you, need to get a nigga you, a belt. Don't you put that kind of energy in there. I mean, put I put the Shane energy in the air and we survive, so. Oh, God, man. All right. Um, any last words? No? No, none, 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 none. Not on my end. No. I don't mean, All right, no, let's no. let's see if we could find time in the near future to have that conversation about the four horsewomen. Because now I feel like we just put that out in the atmosphere so much. Yeah, and we that, touched on it a little bit uh, again. And I feel like a passionate conversation. Obviously, we have to come back around to that. <laughs> uh, say like, left, uh, so say left. If you that's... wanted me to put on a suit and break my PowerPoint, you could have just asked directly. But if that's what you want to do, let's please, do it. Please do that. All right, I need to see this. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of Off the Turnbuckle. As always, we invite you to like, comment, subscribe, and share. And hopefully we'll see you very soon with a conversation about the four horsewomen of WWE. Soon to be five. Wrestling has more than one royal family.